Welcome to the Rediscover Italy podcast, a place for you to relive, revisit, and rediscover your love of Italy. My name is Laura Thayer. And I'm Cassandra Santoro, and we're your hosts for this podcast that takes our shared love of Italy in all of its forms and brings it to you. Well, the big news unfolding right now is that travel is opening up again to Italy, and we're absolutely thrilled about this, of course. <laughs> and we know that everyone who loves Italy and has been missing Italy uh, is just as excited as we are. So on that topic, in this episode, we're sharing what we're looking forward to seeing and doing in Italy this year. But since travel restrictions will still be fluctuating a lot, and we know that it's still not an easy time for many people to travel, we wanted to share what we're looking forward to but in a way that we hope will also be useful for your next trip to Italy, whether that's this year or in the years to come. Yes, we are so grateful to be working again and uh, seeing our friends and colleagues almost back to quote-unquote normal times. Uh, yet 2020 has given us a lot of time to reflect on some of the much-needed uh, restructures in Italian tourism. Uh, slower travel, more responsible and meaningful travel, and so much more. Uh, but hey, that's the Rediscover and the Rediscover Italy podcast, right? So um, it would be impossible to cover all the changes that are happening and all the, you know, maybe small changes we can make all in one episode. But I think it's great to touch on this subject now um, in a much needed time. But um, first, let's talk about the exciting stuff uh, about traveling and where we're looking forward to going. Yeah, I can't believe it. I'm so excited that you'll actually be back in Italy by the time this episode airs. Crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I know that it's, you know, the time before traveling is always crazy. But I actually, I love those moments just before going on a trip because it's that it's that period where everything is so full of, of the possibilities of what you're going to see and do. And I just love that feeling. And it has to be a, an especially good feeling after the last year we've had. Yeah, um, it's funny. My uh, my own cousin's traveling to Italy this morning. She said, "I feel like a kid on Christmas morning now that you know it yeah. feels real again." You know, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so do tell. What are you looking forward to to doing in Italy this year? Gosh, so many things, <laughs> so many places. Um, you know, I plan to stay in Campania for most of the time and do trips from there, which you know I usually do three months um, and then kind of stay on the road all this time. But I think I'm going to change just a little bit and be based somewhere the majority of the six months I'm in Italy and then take my day trips, you know, um, as much as I can. So our day trips or weekend trips or week trips. I'm excited to get back to Calabria, for example, a place I typically visit at least once a year to see my friends, explore the beautiful beaches and sites. Um, I also have this opportunity to work with um, an Italian accommodation group throughout all of the country, country. So it's an extension of the Life Beyond Tourism hashtag we started on Instagram, which highlights the local businesses and the faces behind it. So stay tuned for more details on that. But that's definitely going to bring me traveling a lot. That's exciting. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing that that project go on the road and travel across Italy. Yeah, thanks. Um, you know, it's funny, even as a traveler myself, like a full-time traveler, I was a little nervous to jump back mm -hmm. into this full time mm -hmm. again. But now that I have a plan, I it feels real and I'm excited. Um, 
In any case, if all goes to plan, I head uh, first up north to Friuli Venezia Giulia, which is the region, um, for those who don't know, next to Veneto in the north. And Veneto is the region of Venice. So, And then Friuli is where Trieste is located to sort of paint that picture for you. So it's very, very far north. Um, I'm just so excited. I'm making a point to get there, like get back there because I have been before. So, But to get back there and explore more of the countryside this time. And then, of course, visit Trieste again, which I love and some wonderful locations nearby, um, including probably a stop to see um, Allison, who was our guest on episode five um, when we spoke about Venice. So I do plan to um, stop by and see Venice, uh, see Allison and some of the experiences she actually mentioned on the podcast. Oh, so, so fun. Let's see. <laughs> I also have some islands I plan to visit. Um, Ponza, of course, um, because that was on my 2020 list and it didn't work out. So I'm excited to check out this beautiful area. And um, also some of the Sicilian islands. I've already visited um, some of the Aeolian islands, so I'm going beyond that. Stay tuned. And very random, but I'd like to um, head to Malatea to see the um, Cristo Redditor statue that is famous which on a random another random side note i thought this was sort of an untouched place but after some research i found that frank sinatra and princess diana were like chose this town over the amalfi coast really yeah so i'm like what are we missing out we you should probably hop on i think it's two and a half hours from rome uh excuse me from naples so maybe a little maybe a little weekend trip i don't know sounds great to me so now that you heard my very long list, um, Laura, what is your plan for the upcoming months? Well, I might just have to join you on some of those trips because they're all places I've wanted to see in Italy, especially especially Ponza. That's an island that I have wanted to see for a long time, even oh, well before I moved to the Amalfi Coast. Really? Yeah, yeah. I saw saw some photos and I said, oh, this place I have to see one day. So yes. We will have to do that. Maybe we'll have to take the podcast on the road. Awesome. But um, yeah, I've been thinking about where I'd like to go this year and uh, and what travel looks like for me. And it, it does seem like it's going to be a bit later in the summer or autumn before I probably do very much traveling. And that's because I'm not vaccinated yet. Uh. The, the, the vaccine rollout has been a little bit slower here uh, in Italy than in some other countries. And I'm only just now eligible to register to get a vaccine in Campania. It's a bit different region by region in Italy. And so it's not quite clear when that's going to happen. I mean, I'm hoping June, but either way, uh, it's probably not going to be until probably July at the earliest that I'm vaccinated and and that my husband is vaccinated as well. So we're waiting on that. And I mentioned this just because it goes back to the theme of traveling responsibly and respectfully that you mentioned earlier, Cassandra, which I think is is more important than ever right now. And the one takeaway, I guess I'd like to say is that just because travel is opening up doesn't mean that everyone is protected. So uh, do keep in mind that, uh, that you need to be prepared to follow whatever safety regulations Italy has in place um, if you are traveling this year. Of course, and and I and I do think out of the excitement we're forgetting this, um, you know, and and even you know beyond the vaccines and the masks, um, even just the testing, 
It's quite a process. Uh, you know, I've been prepping for a week. I leave at the end of this week, and I have to start today with my first set of testing. And, um, you know, it's, it's not an inconvenience for me, but um, I'm making sure to do this because even though I'm vaccinated, I just want to be sure that, the you know, the local people and um, our friends and colleagues are safe, like yourself, who isn't vaccinated yet. I mean, if you're listening to this today in May of 2021, you cannot enter Italy without the COVID-free test anyway. But, you know, even last year before they had this rule, um, I did the same thing. I wanted to test before I went. Um, I wanted to do all the small things uh, to prepare not only myself to be safe, um, but also my friends and, and uh, colleagues abroad. And, um, you know, even beyond COVID-19, uh, this goes back to sustainable travel and, and, you know, the small ways we can we can change the way we do things um, before arriving and planning our trip and, and being on the road there in Italy uh, that can actually make a huge difference to the environment, the people, and overall just the travel industry in general. But, you know, we'll be touching on that. But that's a very long subject. We won't touch on that right now. Uh, that's why we have all these amazing guests last week. We had Allison and before that, Virginia, talking about these untouched regions and what we can do to experience them to the fullest. So, um, yeah, but I just want to mention that since you noted the safety aspect of traveling. Yeah, it is something to, to, to keep in mind right now and to be flexible as things change and develop over the course of the year. But I know for me, you mentioned slow travel and that that sounds perfect to me right now. That's what I need. And I, I don't know about you, but I mean, I think it's a safe assumption that we all need some relaxation this year. Yeah. So I've been, I've been thinking a lot about places not too far from home here on the Amalfi Coast. And that led me to um, to the Talento Coast, which is which is just up on the opposite side of the Gulf of Salerno from the Amalfi Coast. It's this uh, beautiful stretch of coastline that, um, in some ways, is quite similar to the Amalfi Coast. There are little towns dotted along the coastline, tons of natural beauty, but it's much less developed, so to speak. Um, although that by no means means that it's uh, undiscovered, <laughs> so to speak, as the Italians um, and a lot of Europeans uh, very much uh, know and love the Cilento for a summer holiday. But uh, yeah, I, I want to go down there and explore it some more. And um, and if you love nature, uh, do check out the Cilento because it has beautiful beaches. And um, besides that, there are a ton of outdoor experiences like hiking and horseback riding, kayaking and boating, just a tons of tons of things to do outdoors. <laughs> so beautiful, yeah. And you're close, you're not far from the Amalfi Coast if you wanted to, to experience that as well, but then go and experience a different part of Italy. <laughs> and it's kind of been on my radar personally because I'd like to go spend a little bit more time around the town of Acerole and for kind of an unusual reason, which is that I had read that back in 1951, the writer Ernest Hemingway actually spent a short time in that seaside village. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah, doing what he appears to have done in a lot of different places, which is um, getting to know the local fishermen and, and fishing. <laughs> Sounds like slow travel to me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but what's interesting here, though, is that, that his visit in Naturale wasn't long before he, he wrote the now classic book, The Old Man and the Sea, which was published in 1952. So I don't know whether or not the town actually served as inspiration as the local 
I don't know, legend, so to speak, goes. Um, for me, the idea of relaxing on the beach and, and rereading that classic sounds just about perfect to me this summer. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Um, and actually, since we're talking about books, just jumping over the film, it's super fun to visit the, um, the town where they filmed Benvenuto al Sud, Welcome to the South, and Santa Maria Castellabate. Um, ah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's, it's for those of you who have been to Arezzo in Tuscany um, and have followed the La Vita Bella Life is Beautiful film, you know, scenes, it's kind of the same thing. They put little signs up throughout the town so you could see it's like where certain scenes of the movie were placed. So, yeah, it's, it, I, it's so close to the Amalfi Coast and um, I do think it's overlooked a lot. So that's a really great idea to get back there. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, thinking of places where I can go on those, like like while you're based in Campania, like a, you know, a weekend trip or shorter experiences like that. And so the same on on, on my radar in Campania is, is, is definitely going back to Ischia. Mm. I, I love that island. It's a um, completely different experience than going to Capri. So if you've been to Capri, definitely check out Ischia. Um, I want to go back because my visits there have often been really, really um, hectic because I'm there for work. And Cassandra actually knows because she went <laughs> along with me on a whirlwind trip last year. <laughs> Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> Pretty mad pace, but uh, of of all of my times on Ischia, the places, you know, the experiences and the moments that have meant the most to me are the times that I have been just relaxing. <laughs> Literally, it's a very relaxing place. There are a lot of opportunities there. So, for example, like when we went last summer, Cassandra and we we went to the to the Fonte delle Ninfe di Nitrode Spa. Wow, that was beautiful. <laughs> And then when we were doing the wine tasting high up on the slopes of Monte Epomeo, surrounded by the Casa d'Ambra vineyard, that was just a spectacular moment. Probably one of the highlights of last year. Yeah. Absolutely for me. It was like the last day of our trip at, um, on the vineyard, and it just was like amazing. And it was, just, it was a rough year. I mean, we were coming out of everything. So just to be there on top of cliche, but feeling on top of the world and drinking delicious wine in the summer sun was fantastic memory yeah oh yeah that's just and for me the highlights like one of the reasons it was a highlight was because of the people that I met and the conversations and the connections that happened both at that vineyard and both at the spa and and every time I visit Ischia I just feel like I experience the island on a deeper level and I just love the people (laughs) So especially after this last year, that that one-on-one human connection and delving deeper into a place, those are things that I've really been missing and that I'm looking forward to experiencing again this year. Yeah, I mean, I can relate to that. um, Absolutely. Uh, You know, this week I had this really great honor of speaking with a university professor Uh, He was asking me questions on the topic of authentic Italy for some research he was doing. And I explained to him, like I'll explain here in a very, very short, um, (laughs) well, in the shortest way possible, that authentic Italy, that phrase, uh, I hold really dear to my heart. But, um, you know, I think there's many ways to describe, um, you know, this experience. Um, Laura, your example of sitting with the local people at the vineyard and hearing their stories And, you know, basically, I think, for me, I think authentic Italy is really getting to the bottom of a place 
really understanding the people, you know, basically being culturally sensitive to their beliefs, traditions, customs, um, why things are the way they are. This is how you fully immerse, in my opinion. As I always said, I say this here, I say it on the Travel Italian Style page, um, you know, we're in the business of creating dream vacations, right? So if your idea of authentic Italy is to cook with a local nonna, or to go off into a rural village, rural village, um, off the beaten path. That's fantastic. But for those who want to stay in the big cities or even small cities off the big cities, um, you can find it there. And and Laura's example is perfect. I mean, Iski is a pretty famous island, but you know, if you know where to go, you can. Um, and you take the time and the extra mm -hmm. time to get to know the people and, and try different experiences, you can find all this stuff out, you know, um, you can really understand why things are the way they are in these locations. Um, a little silly thing is um, on the Rediscover Italy podcast Instagram this week, we shared um, a photo of a tramanzino um, sandwich. And like, it's this is basically, it's not a panino, it's the um, tell me if I'm describing this right. Cause I'm like, you know, the, you take the crust off white bread. I think it's like white bread. You take the crust off of, and it's usually in a triangle and this little sandwich, they serve at the bars in Italy, you know, for a quick lunch or sometimes for an aperitivo, you'll get it for free with your drink. Um, and it probably to some people would just be a sandwich or snack, but this was actually invented in Torino. And they're really proud of this, you know, they, it, when they served it to me at the location, um, where they said to invented it, they said this came, this was invented in 1925, right here, in this place. So, you know, and the same goes with the vermouth in Torino, if you are enjoying an Americano cocktail, you know, they say we're using local vermouth, you know, and it, it again, this may sound like a small thing, but there is life and, and history beyond the museums and the castles. Um, a lot of this history is in the food and, and the stories that people share and the legends even, you know, that you shared earlier about the Cilento Coast. So anyway, that's my little bit of a rant, but I do feel um, there is so, there's so many ways you can immerse, um, even by staying in one location, you know, in anywhere in Italy. And the easiest way to to really find these like experiences is by hiring a local guide um, or an expert travel expert or a travel planner, not to plug our work, <laughs> but as a travel planner and a guide book writer and disclaimer, Laura's husband's a tour guide. We do this because we, we believe in sharing what we know. And this is the best way to, to do that. I, I don't know if you agree, Laura, that's, this is why I got into the business because I knew I could share these stories and, um, and help people see the Italy that we know. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's the driving force behind, I think everything we do. And that's, that's probably one of our strongest connections is that passion for, for sharing as much as we can about the Italy that, that we love. That's why it's right there in the beginning of the podcast too, because it's just such a big part of what we do. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and then, like you said, if you stay in one place, there's just always so much to discover. And that's something that I, I just never cease to be amazed by, by Campania, the region of Campania, because there's so much here. You have Naples and Ischia, we have the Amalfi Coast, we have um, Salerno, we have Naples. There's just so much here. Um, but even after uh, 14 years, there's still so much I haven't seen. 
So that's another thing that I've been thinking to do this year is to is to go and actually see some of the places that I've been wanting to see for a long time. So a couple of things on that list are the um, the incredible Certosa of Padula, which is this um, massive Carthusian monastery. And uh, it's it's only about an hour driving south of Salerno. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a UNESCO World Heritage Site. And it's, it's actually located in the massive Cilento National Park. So not too far from those, those beaches I was talking about earlier, but inland in Campania. Wow. Have you been? I didn't know that. No, I, didn't, I haven't been. And, and usually I'm, I'm really drawn to monasteries um, because, you know, they, they make really unique products. There's always a story behind it. But I'm a, like, well, didn't know about this. Well, I don't know why. we have something to discover this year together. <laughs> Road trip. Yes. And uh, yeah, fun fact, it's the largest monastery in Italy, actually. Wow. Yes, please put that on the list of things to do. <laughs> yeah, And again, it's not on the list of very many people. So we will go and we will uh, discover some of those stories and uh, share them with all of you listening. And then let's see, the last place I'll mention that I'd really love to experience this year because it's been on my to-do list <laughs> and I need your help with this, Cassandra. Yeah. So, uh, so later this year, maybe toward harvest time, I, I finally want to see the vineyards in the inner part of Campania around Avellino and Benevento. So you're going to have to tell me about some of the places I can't miss. Yeah, so uh, Laura, Laura knows um, to ask me about this area because I've become quite a obsessed, I would say, with exploring Avellino and Urbina and the Benevento area for the past few years. I was really so lucky to make some um, amazing wine friends uh, who have showed me around and introduced me to what has now become one of my favorite areas of woman wine producers in Italy. I mean, hmm. it, yeah, it, it's a... It was unexpected, but really going from Tarazi, where the area where they produce Tarazi, to you know, to the uh, areas outside of Naples, I've just tasted some of my favorite wines and wines like Fiano that are less found, less common to be found in the states. Mm -hmm. So it, it really has opened my eyes to to branching out in the typical wines I love when I'm here in New York too. Um, you know, just I mean, there's so many, but to throw out a few. Um, one is uh, Ventitre Filare. Uh, that is run by my friend Rosa and her family in the Arpina area. Uh, and she has excellent wines. And another is Cantina Strone, which is run by Christina um, and her family. And that is by, um, that's actually in Naples by the Burning Fields, which is like a whole other area of um, volcanic area that we have to cover on another show because it's a really important part of Naples that mm -hmm. some people miss, but they actually make a w amazing wine. So, oh, fun! Yeah, I didn't know that. We should. There's so much history, and there's there's so many unexpected things in that part of Naples. Yeah, north of Naples. Yeah. Please come with me this year. Actually, um, I was just talking to Vincenzo today, and it might be one of the first things I do when I land. Um, so. I'll scout the area and, and get us back uh, for wines. But, um, you know, these ladies, I mean, like I said, there's so many vineyards. Um, it, it would take forever. It would take a whole episode. But, you know, the Christina and Rosa, these vineyard owners actually um, own a company with uh, another wine expert and friend, Natasha, called The Emotional Experience. And um, why I'm mentioning this is because in addition to the in-person tours they organize on their own vineyards and throughout all of Avellino, they actually are going to be doing 
um, virtual tastings. Um, even though people can travel again, they, just just to like so you can familiarize yourself with wine, uh, the local wines of Campania, and just how to wine taste in Italian and things like that. So, um, oh, excellent. yeah. So we'll I'll put it on our Instagrams, you know, and share. So if you want to be a part of it, and we'll link it in the show notes. But you know, in addition to the wine, I just want to say, um, you know, the area um, near Avellino is also. Um, you know, there's, there's amazing castles, historic towns, um, delicious cheese and caves, and it's actually famous for its Tarone. So you really could spend a couple mm-hmm. days if you're a food and wine lover in the mountains, um, really immersing yourself in a completely different culture. Although it's in Campania, it's completely different than the Amalfi Coast and Naples. So it's like, you know, each of these provincia uh, it, throughout the region uh, really gives you a new look on the on the um, the area as a whole. But you know, it's surprising to me that a lot of people haven't been to Avellino because a good majority of Italian Americans are from this area. But um, you know, so so it, true, yeah, right. I mean, like, so I think also people might think it's just small towns. So. If you are Italian American and you want to explore that town, or even if you just want to explore that town because you love Tarone and wine and cheese and food like Laura and I, then, um, <laughs> you know, reach out. Again, we'll put a link in the show notes for like our guidebooks and um, our travel planning services and the emotional experiences. But it's definitely worth um if you can't tell from how passionate I got, it's definitely worth, uh, you know, taking an extra couple of days in Campania to explore this area for sure. Yeah, so now, now everyone can tell why I asked Cassandra that question. I <laughs> know <laughs> where okay. to go. Um, so to wrap up this episode, we had a question from a follower who asked, what is the benefit of having dual citizenship, both Italy and the USA, besides living and working in Italy or skipping the line at the passport control? <laughs> I don't know about you, Laura, but the passport control caught the line thing is my favorite part (laughs) (laughs) of having the passport. Um, And, you know, being able to travel freely with no restrictions Uh, pre-pandemic, you know, I can you can stay there longer than if you just have an American passport. Um, And then during the pandemic, being able to go home to Italy was really important to me. So, um, you know, I was really grateful for that. But, you know, personally, uh, my story is the passport. I got the passport as a dedication to my late father, who was Sicilian, and and his family. So I feel um, it's really important to stay connected to my heritage and Italy as a whole. Uh, and, and that is just as important to me than being able to travel and work and live in Italy. But I don't know. Laura, what about you? Do you have any thoughts to add on this? Yeah, well, I mean, the travel, but then, of course, the heritage. I mean, those are those are so important when you're getting the Italian citizenship. Um, but for me, for me, it was kind of similar. But uh, for me, going through the citizenship process was very much about feeling a part of a place. Mm. And, you know, if you're going to be living in Italy and you're eligible to apply for citizenship, definitely do it because it makes things um, a bit easier in some ways. For me, you know, being married, that that uh, gave me the ability to do pretty much everything I needed to do. But the citizenship was important because it helped me. I guess I guess it helped to show to myself, above all, that I am committed to this place. That, and more so, that it's a part of who I am and not just a part of where I live. 
which when you're not Italian by heritage, that sounds maybe a little bit strange, but if you're a person who's ever fallen in love with a place, um, I think that, I think it'll make perfect sense. Yeah, I love that. Uh, I, I agree. I mean, I don't need to reiterate what you said because you said it perfect, but um, being committed to the place and feeling connected to it is what's most important. And then, of course, skipping the line at the passport control, which always leads back to a, a wonderful reason for having it. But um, on that note, uh, we are going to wrap up the episode. So thank you so much for listening to the Rediscover Italy podcast. And be sure to, to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or Google Play so you won't miss any future episodes. And you'll find all of our listening options and more on our website, www.rediscoveritalypodcast.com, where you can also sign up for our newsletter and find links to our social media. And now also, don't forget our blog (laughs) with uh, information on each episode. And uh, we hope you join us online to keep sharing more of the Italy that we all love. And please do share the podcast with your friends and family. And if you have a chance, please do leave a review. We would love to hear from you. And don't forget, we're still taking questions from you. Send us a message on social media or email them to rediscoveritalypodcast at gmail.com. Grazie and a presto. A presto.